You're listening to Future Theater Radio with Bill and Nancy Burns right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. One, go. Hi, everybody. We are your co-hosts. Bill, that's me, and Nancy. Hello, everybody. Nancy Burns, and we are here on Future Theater Live on the Dark Matter Digital Network and PSN Radio to bring you our Monday night show with our guest, Mark Anthony. We're broadcasting live from the banks of Primrose Creek in beautiful downtown Solberry Village, Pennsylvania, and we are happy to be with you. And our producer is Angel Espino. Say hello, Angel. Hello, Angel. Hello, And Nancy and Bill. Hello. So, be- so before the show, Angel, Angel and I were talking before the show. I just went on, I just went on to just see what the sales were like. But for first, you should say Dr. what Fielder. day it is. But wait, t- t- uh, announce what day it is and all that. Today oh, is. Oh, it is June twenty ninth, two thousand and fifteen. Tomorrow is June thirtieth, and the new month of July starts on Wednesday. Yep. We are in early summer. Angel and I were talking at the, uh, just before the show. I had gone on because I'm still waiting for the sales reports for Dr. Feelgood. And what I noticed was when you search for a book on Amazon, the first thing that comes up is the Kindle book, not the publisher's book. Okay. And, and, and that bothers me because it's... But no, wait, wait, wait. Um, it might only be coming up for you because you looked at the Kindle book at some point in your viewing history and it's simply, but a brand new, uh, reader coming into and just typing it into the Google might come to the main uh, front page for that book. No, that's not true because no, that's not what happened. No, no, no. I think Amazon, it's exactly what Bill's saying. Amazon is doing that now. They're promoting their Kindle first and you can still buy the hardcover and all the other, you know, versions. But yeah, but you've got to find it. They promote it. that first. Right. Yeah, but well, actually on the actual, it. on the actual post, a lot of times though, they'll have a little box that says Kindle, hardcover, paperback. Sure. You'll be able to click on the box and it'll take you to sure. where you want to get. Right. And it well, is their store. Right, right, right. Well, it yeah, is. it's their store. But they're representing books from publishers. I mean, they're not some. I mean, their bookstore is they can put what they want. Well, but just, get, would, just get ready because the trade bill, the TPP that is passing through, according to Snowden, who has in fact read it, um, it's only something like 34% about trade. The rest of the entire bill is about ISPs and the internet and what the ISPs are going to be required to do. And that means the people that you rent your, your space from are going to have to police you or suffer the consequences. And that's, that's something that people should be, begin to look into. Because if you talk about freedom, uh, you know, it's going to be a whole different world. If- well, you're talking about IS, uh, internet service providers. So in other words, uh, Comcast, uh, some of the big boys uh, in the industry that provide internet service. But also right. I think this would extend to like GoDaddy. And websites and, and oh yeah and yeah. forum and your little hosting provider the people right. that you buy your space from yeah which I think that's partly what happened with GoDaddy and PSN Radio remember we had that meltdown yeah. a few weeks ago it happened with uh, Belgab they I, they had something yeah you had a yeah. terrible meltdown well they, yeah the, everybody's going the, through that what was the reason they gave you 
The reason is they changed their policies, uh, I guess, early this year, in the beginning of the year, uh, to reflect that you can no longer, with that account, with those certain servers, you can't no longer host MP3 files or media files uh, that are going to direct traffic, you know, all, all over the place. Basically, we were getting about 200,000 downloads a month or something like that on PSN Radio, or 250,000, okay. a lot. Mm -hmm. We were getting a lot of downloads, you know, from all the shows and everything. Yeah. And uh, they said that the servers kept crashing every week, and they just couldn't keep up with the amount of, of downloads because they had changed that policy, and they were kind of grandfathered in, so they uh -huh. never really did anything right off the bat. They just kind of let it linger, and it lingered and lingered, all, you know, for the next few months, and then it, it caused a problem because of the way they changed the structure of their servers. Um, mm -hmm. It that, that was the issue. So basically, we had to remove all archives, every MP3, every video file, everything that was in there had to be removed and uploaded to SoundCloud because their server is built for that, or... The alternative was to buy a dedicated IP address with GoDaddy, a dedicated uh, server, basically, uh, that hosts everything, and it would be like $200 a month, which is right. ridiculous. So right, right. For a fraction well, of that, we got SoundCloud, which is better. Well, although you you jumped all over me last night when we were texting back and forth, and I asked you what you thought were insane questions, that's exactly what I'm researching right now. I want to find out what it is that... Uh, really happens when besides um, well, anyway, we, we won't go into the details of this but I, I wanted to tell folks that we were going to give a kind of a small update on Bella Haven tonight and um, so in a few minutes we're going to bring Lasha in and she's going to help talk about it a little bit but basically what I was researching last night and, and for the last week or so is what service do these um, places provide like Voscast or, um, uh, I, you know, th there's millions of do people. Do you really who want will... to get into technical talk on the radio? Well, <laughs> you're having just... the, the psychic lawyer on you wouldn't talk technical, ter technical stuff. Well, let's just continue <laughs> what we were just talking about, which is kind of technical in that Snowden. Uh, uh, what's his first name? What's the guy's Edward name? Snowden. Edward, Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden yeah. is suggesting that the free uh, and, and happy exchange of information that we think of as the web, not the black right. web, but the web, that's going to all change. And so that's where I'm going. In order to explain what is going to change, you have to protect yourself from what GoDaddy just did to you. Well, okay. that's one fraction of one issue that's going on. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the way the Internet works, Nancy, but right now we're on, on what's called Internet 2.0. Uh, internet 1.0 already passed. It was the first Internet that was put into the uh, system, which is mostly like dial-up Internet, stuff like that. Yeah, but you know uh, that those are just terms like first world. No, 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 no. Actually, no, no, this is completely different. This technology changes, and because of the technology change, that's why we have Internet 2.0. You know, you know, Angel, you know, Angel. Now, technology's changing again, but let me just finish real quick. Technology's changing again, and they're going to what's called technology or Internet 3.0, which is government-ran and censored Internet. Basically, anything they don't want you to see, they could shut off in an instant. Well, let me give you a bunch of stuff to read between now and a week or so from now or three months from now and we'll revisit this conversation because you're completely um, you, you don't have the whole picture let's put it that way um, right picture if you will talking to somebody um, yeah, there are people for, who have different angles on this and, and so you're right this is too technical we shouldn't we shouldn't go there so yeah, we, should. we won't 
I wanna. I want. I have a que- I have a question. Okay, let me just throw this question out. Okay, because we do uh, have ahead, a couple of minutes before Lasha comes on. Here's the question. Go ahead. Okay. Bill. Okay. Now, this is probably politically incorrect, but you could tell me if I'm wrong or off base. And it's this: the New York State Police shot the second prisoner, this guy Sweat, uh, as he was running away. He was two miles away from the Canadian border. Not that he would have escaped for the rest of his life, because believe me, missed one phone, it by that much. One one missed phone it call, by that much. That much, yeah. One <laughs> phone call to the Mounties, they would have picked him up. That's yep. not the issue. No, okay. the Mounties would have given him hot chocolate too. He, yeah, but that's after they Good would have picked him up. But he was running away, and the trooper who shot him shot him in the back. Now, here's my question, okay? There is a Supreme Court decision. I'm going to – we'll talk to Mark Anthony about this too. There's mm-hmm. a Supreme – because he's the um, paranormal lawyer, right. uh, the psychic lawyer. Um, we will <clears> – <throat> he was running away. His back was to the officer who fired two shots, and now he's critically wounded. When Walter Scott ran away in South Carolina – and the officer fired. This was after Scott had attacked the officer and the officer fired shots. The world came down on him. And but that's, he was because, fired. that's because there was video. But it doesn't matter. It does. It, yes, there was video. But even here, there was nobody. All I'm saying is it is the same law that prohibits police from firing at a fleeing suspect. Now, I, I could think of all kinds of exceptions to that that are built in the decision. Like, but, a, like an escaped uh, dangerous prisoner could be an exception who's been on the run well, for a long time. Well, and maybe the, he was aiming at his legs. Well, he's shooting. You're not supposed to shoot. Mm-hmm. It's not kill. It's shoot. Mm-hmm. So, if, so, I mean, here's a case where um, uh, Walter Scott attacks a police officer in Charleston, South Carolina, tries to he physically attacks him tries to take his phaser away, uh, phaser, laser away, then uh, taser, then runs away, and he's shot. And the whole country explodes in fury. This prisoner did not attack the officer. He was already convicted of his crime. Yes, he's a killer. He hasn't committed any homicides. He did a break-in, and he fled jail. So, yeah, those are felonies. Yeah, but the difference is... The difference is in the case of the few people that there's outrage over, there's a physical, there's a photo, there's some video, there's some evidence where you can sort of see the, the scale of the, like, like the, the pool party thing, where you can see the scale. You can sort of see what kind of surroundings are happening between the officer and the victim. In right. this case, it's completely up to you to believe the news reports and you either get upset or not get upset. But most people know you can't believe what the media is telling you. So this we isn't weren't media. there. This is – no. This yeah. is the announcement If, if somebody that comes up made... with a photo of the, of the officer shooting the uh, prisoner – and it's it's vivid, and you can see that the uh, the guy was no threat. Then there would be outrage, guaranteed. Wouldn't make a bit wouldn't make a bit of difference because this guy, because he was a murderer, he's he's obviously a, a, a murderer, a vicious murderer, actually, not just a killer, but this guy was really vicious. Because of that, he, um, people are going to say, fine, they uh, they caught him, they shot him, they'll bring him back. 
that's fine. My argument is that it's the same situation, officer shooting at a fleeing victim. Why is it there are two different standards? Because there's no visual for the second, so there can be no outrage. It's really kind of basic, you know. Um, everybody was being told to be fearful of this person. Okay, so the person was already objectified. You know, he might have been the sweetest convict in the world, but people were told to lock their doors, and he's going to well, come. And was he was he guilty of murder? Oh yeah, he was. Then, you know, he, what? he was he was Shoot convicted him. of multiple murder. Okay, fine. Shoot him. But no he, problems but with the it. Point but is, what about his rights? As he, he once you kill people, you have no rights, as far as I'm concerned. That's not true. He was, but, I but know it's he, not true, but that, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, as far as no. you're concerned, but I'm just I'm saying concerned. it's just it's just not true. I mean, but the, but the Supreme Court decision on shooting a fleeing suspect doesn't say, oh, well, this suspect is okay and that suspect is not, unless you are unless you present a danger to the police and you could say that he does, but he didn't commit, but the only crime he committed was escape and breaking into an, um, a hunting cabin. Right. It wasn't as though he was in the act of killing somebody. Yeah, but see, you also know. No, here he has done that before. That's what he was. And he was unarmed. But, but you also don't know his history with uh, correction people at the prison. They might know him as a really vicious person. I'm sure but they do. I understand, I understand exactly what you're saying. But the, I think the, the bigger problem is that we have absolutely no, at least I think most people have no faith whatsoever unless you physically see it. We've, we've called that the, um, uh, we've called that the, the you know, the uh, test. Unless you can see it, you don't believe it, which, of course, allows photoshopping and then false witness testimony and stuff. But, yeah. So, anyway. Do you want to, do you want to bring on Lasha? Yeah, that's what we were just talking about. Okay, um, you go bring on Lasha. Yeah, we need a softening voice. <laughs> Another girl. Not that that's – that's becoming quite the thing, I can tell you. That's becoming a tinderbox of trouble on uh, forums and on Twitter and here and there. Um, and also, by the time uh, you hear our show next week, when we have on Aldous Burbank, I don't know his real name yet, but I will try to find out before, but he's known as Aldous Burbank on Belgab. He's going to be our guest next week, and between now and then, the, the blitz will have started. The blitz is what everybody's calling it, and that is welcoming Art Bell back to the airwaves. And everybody's being very secretive right now. But by next week, no more secrets. Yeah. So. Okay. Well. So Angel will let us know when Lasha comes in. And um, look at your screen, Nancy. Lasha's in. Oh. Okay. Hey, Hi, kids. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Lasha. How are you tonight? Well, how are you? Yes. You know, I was just listening to what you said, and I don't know if you heard. I, I think it was the After Hours show last night on Dark Matter. Uh, and wait, he was, wait, wait, wait. After our show on Dark Matter. After, uh, uh, or is it called After Dark? After, uh, anyway. Talking about after the dark in the hours. Steve? Something I think so. And oh, Dark him, City. Dark City. Okay, dark something City. like that. Anyway, dark he said matter. on there, no? he said he had it linked no. up all on his site, that the Pentagon has re reestablished what the rules of engagement are. And they say the that... The Pentagon? Oh. The Pentagon. And the rules of of engagement for and you know how they used to say enemy combatant. Now right. they're calling it belligerent, and and one of the categories is belligerent journalist. What? 
is okay to fire upon. What? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Huh. That's what he said on his website. I mean, well, I wish let's I could check it out. Okay, so you're thinking about I think after Dark City with Steve Warner. Warner, correct? Bateman. It was Bateman. the guy that I think it's the guy that does the wrestling. Oh, that's Brian Alvarez. Okay, and he has a very important show. By the way, his is the first show on the Dark Matter Network that has, in fact, already have a. It already has a subscription button for oh, really. Yeah, for like two dollars. Um, yeah, because Keith has already set it up so that anybody who wants to can participate. So just letting you all know. Anyway, um, Brian Alvarez, I'm pretty sure is who you're talking about, and his show. Let me find it really fast. Uh, I should be more. I should be more friendly toward everybody on the network. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. Yes. You're fine. No, I am sorry. Um, uh, but anyway, but but uh, you know, I am. Bu- Here's why I'm so busy. Beside Bella Haven, which we'll talk about in a second, I've been helping get stuff ready for the Art Bell Blitz. You know, everybody's doing their their own little part. And go to bellgab.com, join up, and also you can early order. Your own time traveler pass at Dark Matter Digital Network or ArtBell.com so that you can hear Art Bell when he comes back. You'll see. Is it like a passport? (laughs) Well, no. (laughs) Time traveler passport? I think what it is is just a way of of, if you do nothing else, you say, hi, Art. Here's $5. Thank you for all you've done. I'm going to give you a chance to see if I like your new show. And maybe if I don't, I won't give you five dollars anymore but it's not a big loss it's like you know you pay that for a movie right or so yeah yeah so anyway so so i will follow up on that brian alvarez is i think your man there okay he said he had the news article linked up on the website yeah and i'll i'll follow that up because you know another reason that's a biggie (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i just wanted to let you know and let let folks know because i've been really busy and trying and and so angel is listening and doesn't understand he can't understand my questions he's been in radio for a long time and so when i have a a specific technical question i have no nancy i I understand your questions just the question you asked me last night made absolutely no sense if you know what the technical answer is right so i don't so that's why i'm that was my point you just had no idea what you were asking that's no, all. no, no. I don't I'm know. Trying. You're going to bring it up on the show the next day. If not, I would have sat there at four in the morning and given you a lengthy answer. Well, that's but. why. That's why I'm telling you. Uh, I'm learning a lot of stuff all at once, and so I have to make decisions about you know where I'm going to spend my money. Quite, quite basically, it comes down to, and it's like who am I going to sign up with? Because every time I sign up with a recurring payment, like the like the dark matter, like the art bell thing. Time. What is mm-hmm. it called? Midnight in the desert. Every time I sign up for a recurring payment, I end up and, and again, I keep telling you, you don't it. have to do that, but you keep saying you somehow need to do that. I don't understand why you need to do that, but I it's think... an option on the site, isn't it? What? It's an no. option to sign up reoccurring. No, since, since we're since we're gonna no, we're, we're talking about the uh, streaming. We're talking about Art Bell's website now because we're going back and forth here. The streaming, both the show, both. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, look, his show, his streaming has nothing to do with what you're streaming. Okay. It's two completely things, two completely different things. Uh, PSN Radio has a stream. You could use that stream. I've offered it to you plenty of times. Uh, I don't know what you don't understand about the way the stream works, but really, we could talk about this off air. It's really too technical for radio, I think. We're just going to bore the audience to death. 
Well, we are and we aren't because what I want to do. Oh no, believe me, we are. <laughs> well, let me. And by the to... way, Keith ch- chimes in. He says, "After Dark Radio with Brian Alvarez." Right. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you there you go. go. Yeah. <clears throat> we should get Keith on here to answer these questions. Well, Keith. And by the way, the Keith chair. also just Keith just also uh, chimed in with, "Boring." Oh dear. Period, 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 period. <laughs> right, and here's and here's why. That's what this is, folks. And Boring here's radio. why. On here's Dark Man why. Radio Network. <laughs> Well, perhaps Keith would. Hello. Yeah, yeah we're all here. Oh, oh! There, suddenly, it went silent, and somewhere a clock chimed three. <laughs> so, it, it became Block Talk Radio for a second there. I was hello, you there? That, you know, maybe we should get Keith on and sit him down and just say, you know, what is the plan for? Um, mind you, maybe they don't want to divulge that. They don't want to divulge. No, they don't. You know, the, I'm pretty the pain sure they don't. Under, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're probably yeah. right. You're probably right. Yeah. And, and but here's the thing. Here's why it, you guys can say it's as boring as you want. There are some people who are, it I is. bet clinging to my to my every word because believe it or not um as i learn more about radio what i what i've decided i'm going to do is i guess yeah okay so see all of this might translate into bella haven right exactly so what i'll do what i'll do is i will tweet or i will uh, put it on facebook or i will talk about it um I'll, i'll give a specific time when you can just tune in and hear us talk and practice and stuff and we'll just do it that way and then if you like this topic and want to help with the blitz you can talk to us and we can start that up so we'll we'll just do it that way okay, okay. we'll move it to uh the real world i just simply wanted to uh, believe it or not okay i uh okay so, so ahead, keith, is listening. keith is by, listening by the, by the way listening. yeah yeah by the way uh speaking of uh, keith is listening um, he also wants to inform everybody that um, there's no secrets. Everybody knows Art Bell's plans. It's right on artbell.com. In fact, if you go there, uh, there's a link, Art Bell's uh, new show, FAQs. So frequently asked questions, all answered on his website. So there's no secrets. Fair enough. Fair enough. There you go. Thank you, Keith. Mm, yeah, but, he, but see, the but there's this. But there's yeah. The, but what about the secret of who the next show is going to be after uh, after? Well, no, that's that's privileged, I would think. Right. I mean, that's something that they want to announce when they want to announce it, and as well, they should. <clears throat> they should be able to have their announcement at any time that they want. Do you know? That's right. There are spies. Yeah. There are spies. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the conjecture is fun, anyway. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, so if you want to help with the Blitz, if you want to get involved with all the secrets and stuff, you go to bellgab.com, go to artbell.com, go to darkmatterdigitalnetwork.com, right? Uh, yes. And then you go to psn-radio.com or futuretheater.com. And, Lasha, what is your website where people can find you? One it's, more. Uh, mysticstars.net. Mysticstars.net. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then eventually, Bell, well, you can actually go to Bella Haven. There's only one little button to push, and that puts you on a mailing list. No, I have so a question, Nancy. Yes, Nancy, I have a question. Why can't we just start, like, say, you know, today's Monday, like a week today, and every night at uh, twelve o'clock my time, Three two o'clock. o'clock your time, your time, it just go on the air. Well, I want to do it. I want to do it before that. I want to do it, say, uh, tomorrow night. Oh, okay. Not, I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. As so that's say. kind of why I wanted to talk about it a bit. You know, that at 3 o'clock, you might try to find us. And I, I can put up our – see, just I have – uh, Just put up a link on a the link. Future Theater site. Yeah. That's all. And we'll, we'll go from there. That'll work. 
That'll work. Yeah. And, and then we can kind helps. of like, you know, and just like with uh, if, you, if you're a member of BellGab, which I'm sure you will be, uh, you know, people there are talking about like people with like talents are getting together and putting their heads together. So it's a very fertile time for creative people right now. And Art Bell is having a good time, I think, as best he can, sitting on one hand and then the other. And, 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 and sadly, before we just go to our break, uh, there is two bits of sad news. Um, uh, oh, the UFO, Yeti. F- yeah, Yeti, Yeti, Yeti is so. Everybody loved Yeti, even though nobody ever met Yeti. Was uh, he was Art Bell's cat, and and twenty three years. That's so. That's like a Yoda cat. That's a long run. Yeah. Yeah, that's like no. Yeah, that's like yeah. Um, Noah, Methuselah the cat. Methuselah, I mean, this is yeah. Cat. And then also Dirk Vanderplug. I don't know whether yes. you guys know him, but he started. He was he was a great guy. He was from Canada. He started uh, UFO Digest, and that was before there was everything else. Right. Okay. He was yeah. He was one of the early pioneers in doing online yeah. uh, uh, magazines uh, about UFOs, and he was a, he conducted this magazine forever. Uh, Robert Morningstar, who's been our guest, was one of his primary editors for that magazine. And so that is sad news that one, oh, yeah. member, one of the members of our community, Dirk Vanderplug, uh, died uh, just a few days ago. And yeah. folks who want to read more about him can find Robert Morningstar, uh, his website, and uh, can read about Michael Morningstar, uh, Robert Morningstar's uh, encomium to Dirk Vanderplug. Right, right, indeed. So check that out. Uh, let's see. Any other business? So, so we we've established that we're going to st- see. I'm up anyway, and I'm anxious to get started. So we'll we'll start out tomorrow night. You, yeah. Okay, tomorrow night. Do you think we should in uh, um, Belgab ask people what topics we should talk about? No. At first, I think we should lay low because every time. I'm getting yelled at from so many people from for so many just, different reasons. Nancy, just don't listen. Just don't listen. <laughs> just just go creative. Just do do the creativity from your heart, and let the piece pieces fall where they may. Yeah, but they're shooting. What is it? Embittered yeah, journal. What is the on. word? Last time you did that. Hold on. Last time you did that, Last time Nancy did that, you came on the air and you like treaded her for her bumper. Did I? Uh, <laughs> well, and that wasn't even half bad. Angel, that was actually pretty Angel. good. We're women. For a bumper. That's still <laughs> cold-blooded, though. There's always going to be drama. You should, you should protect each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we've got to stick together or we stick yeah. apart or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Something. Something. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, from the heart. From the heart. So, yeah. uh, tonight's guest, by the way, and Lasha, um, I don't know whether you should stay on or not. I, can, it, it, I think that tonight you probably should not in um uh angel has already interviewed mark anthony and i have a oh, feeling yeah. he's a hand, have, he's handful he's a good one you're gonna have a fun angel oh that's yeah. My, yeah that's my feeling and i feel like lasha i'm asking you almost to go to work because it's like you and he are kind of in the same area i think a little bit uh, i see okay you see what i'm saying so it's like it's like uh, what is the thing in the um lord of the rings when the two wizards fight each other you know i always picture uh, that geriatric battle because they're really old. Jerry battle. <laughs> you know, remember Sauron? I think they're really old, man. Oh, well, no, there's remember? Sauron. Well, there's the Eye of Sauron, and then there's Sauron. Then there's Sauron, who was played by Christopher Lee. Right. They fought oh, each other. Peace. And would... here's the here's the irony. I got to tell you this before we go on a break, because I love ironies. Here are the here's the irony. Christopher Lee 
was, and Philippe Moore and I are going to try to set up a book together on this. Philippe does this Moore, come up to Mickey Rooney at the end of it? Nope, nope. <laughs> Probably <laughs> will. It does. Ahead, it must but I'm not going to go there. But I'm not going to go See, there. but it does. But it does. <laughs> here's, here's the deal. Christopher Lee was cousin, was a cousin to Ian Fleming. And really? both of yeah, and both of them were in British intelligence during World War II. Now, uh, Ian Fleming, he, he they trained all the spies in Britain in Canada right. during the Second World War, and oh, I think yeah? he was the one that trained them. Well, except for the except for the except for the code uh, the code breakers, and they were at Benchley Park. But ah. Ian Fleming, yeah, but Ian Fleming was in British naval intelligence in World War II. Uh, the the um, Christopher Lee was in RAF intelligence in World War II, but really? both, but Christopher Lee was actually an assassin, just like 007. He was the executioner at the Nuremberg trials, and he killed Nazis in one case really? with his bare hands. He yes, that was Christopher Lee. The other ironic thing is wow. that Christopher Lee played Soramon in Lord of the Rings two and three. Christopher Lee and J.R.R. Tolkien were friends at Oxford. Oh. Very interesting. Wow, that's cool. Very yeah. interesting. That is cool. Wow. That is very cool. So that's Christopher I didn't even Lee. know that. That's very cool, yeah. There are so many mysterious things about his life, like why he got into acting. It's, it's fascinating. He was 6'5", and when he was trying out at, at drama school, people were saying to him, you can't be an actor. You're too tall. You're too tall. Get out of here. You're too tall. Only one role fit him, and that was his first movie. He was the Frankenstein monster because the Frankenstein monster is over seven feet tall. No, I thought he was Dracula. Wasn't he in all the British shows he was He was, but his first role was the Frankenstein monster. Hmm. It was only after he did that, and he was friends with people like Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney Jr. and people like that, but, and Bill Lugosi was a friend of his. So that's what Philippe and I want to do. Nice. Do you want one of my favorite quotes from Boris Karloff? And I sure. put it on my website every Halloween. He said, the monster was the best friend I ever had. Oh, Aww. right. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and, you want to know what, and you want to know what Boris Karloff's real name was? Oh, no. What? William Pratt. Oh, dear. Okay. That was his real name. I like oh, the other name better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I also found out that he used to work at a little um, electrical company back at the turn of the century in Vancouver, right on the edge of the water. And it was a, um, a, a, one of these stations where they actually had to be lowered down on like trolleys with the wood because the forest was so intense right mm -hmm. up to the – anyway, mm -hmm. he worked there and that before he became an actor. Before he became a truck. Well, okay, apparently. well, okay. Now mm -hmm. we're going to have to wrenchingly go to our break. Okay, so, so here we are. Oh, thank you. Just, go ahead, Lasha. Mickey seconds. Rooney. I just <laughs> have to say Mickey Rooney. <laughs> okay, I was going to do thank that. You. Thank By you. the way, so, from okay. Keith, before we go on break, from Keith, uh, the new host of the show after midnight will be announced on July 4th. Ah, Perfect timing. Uh, Take us to break, Bill Burns. Go ahead. On Saturday. So we are your co-hosts. Wait for Saturday. We are your co-hosts, Bill. That's me and Nancy Burns with our guest, Lasha, who's joined us last Sunday, who's joined us for this half hour. We are going to take a break, come back after these messages with the psychic attorney, Mark Anthony. Stay with us, folks, for the psychic attorney.
UFO phenomenon either we like it or not is already very much part of our reality. I've been on panels with uh, military people who, you know, claim that they've seen the aliens buzzing our missile silos. They have very large eyes, and you know, I found their stare extremely difficult to bear. This is Martin Willis, the host of Podcast UFO, and we are here on the Dark Matter Radio Network every Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is my commitment to bring you an entertaining weekly show that takes a hard look at the UFO phenomena. Are they extraterrestrial? Well, are they interdimensional? Are they time travelers or something we have not even thought of yet? We explore these questions with interesting guests and witnesses from all around the globe. In addition, we bring you weekly UFO news with Open Minds TV, Alejandro Rojas. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep your eyes to the sky. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Hi, this is Jeff Brady, host of In Other News, heard on Dark Matter Radio on Thursdays. In this strange period where free energy technology is weaponized, dissent is criminalized, and war economies flourish, the human family is being deliberately assaulted on multiple fronts in the food, air, water, and during sleep. Yet here we are with information at our fingertips, only to become a slave to the portable digital communication device. You know what you're really communicating. You're screaming to cell phone corporations, please put a chip in me. Past shows have looked at issues involving electromagnetic weapons, satellite stalking, RFID, orgone and organite, illegal fluoridated drinking water for infants, airport radiation scanners, secret societies, energy vampires, psychopathy, surveillance, sex trafficking, disaster capitalism. So tune in to In Other News Thursdays on the Dark Matter Radio Network, the pioneers of overnight talk radio. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth orientated discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly. CapricornMembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic. Truth is truth. Hi, this is Jeff Brady, host of In Other News, heard on Dark Matter Radio on Thursdays. In this strange period where free energy technology is weaponized, dissent is criminalized, and war economies flourish, the human family is being deliberately assaulted on multiple fronts in the food, air, water, and during sleep. 
Yet here we are with information at our fingertips, only to become a slave to the portable digital communication device. You know what you're really communicating. You're screaming to cell phone corporations, please put a chip in me. Past shows have looked at issues involving electromagnetic weapons, satellite stalking, RFID, orgone and organite, illegal fluoridated drinking water for infants, airport radiation scanners, secret societies, energy vampires, psychopathy, surveillance, sex trafficking, disaster capitalism. So tune in to In Other News, Thursdays on the Dark Matter Radio Network, the pioneers of overnight talk radio. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. Talk Stream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. And we're back on Future Theater Live on the Dark Matter Digital Network and PSN Radio with our guest, Mark Anthony. And uh, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank you for joining us uh, and talking about the kinds of things you do because it's really fascinating. Um, I have never met I have never met a psychic lawyer. I'm a lawyer and I'm totally not psychic, but I've never met a psychic lawyer. So could you could you explain how that works? Uh, well, it's it's just exactly the way it sounds. I am a psychic medium who happens to also be an attorney. Um, and, you know, people think that, oh, well, you're a psychic lawyer, therefore you're somehow invulnerable in court. Well, it certainly doesn't hurt, but um, it's part of my skill set. It doesn't make me all-knowing and all-seeing. It gives me insights into mm-hmm. people and, well, could and into it, situations. Hi, Mark. This is Nancy. Couldn't that be considered by the other lawyer as an unfair advantage and actually have you taken off a case? No, not at all, because um, the other lawyer may work for a a multinational corporation and have billions of dollars in assets um, backing them up to where they can purchase every type of expert witness in the world and if i go into court and start saying judge i'm sorry but they're from a bigger and more powerful law firm and they got 10 attorneys against me we 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 do you think i'm going to get any sympathy from a judge so are you in solo practice um right now my law practice is on hold because 
the demands for my services as a medium have gone off the scale, and I'm in the midst of a nationwide book tour promoting my new bestseller, Evidence of well, Heritage. Let's well, talk congratulations, about but wait. Congratulations. But wait, what is your bestseller? Let's get but, the title out here first. What is the title? Evidence of Eternity. And, and who's publishing? Is, uh, the, the subtitle is Communicating with Spirits for Proof of the Afterlife. Fantastic. Who's, who's, who's your publisher? Uh, Llewellyn Worldwide Publishing. Ah, so, say hello um, to, to Galdi. Say hello to Phyllis Galdi for me. I will. I will. And um, what I like about my publisher is um, they have a worldwide distribution network. My book is on sale in every country where English is spoken, and I understand that it will now be um, sold in both Poland and the Slovak Republic because uh, publishers in both of those countries have purchased the rights to uh, to print the book in those languages. Wow. And we're hoping wow. uh, we're going to get it in Spanish because... Um, a lot of um, a lot of people have been asking when will it be in Spanish. So Llewellyn Publishing, if you're listening, come on, let's let's pick it up a notch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's, well, well ironically, ironically, last week we had a similar uh, a, sim- a woman who wrote a book that's very similar uh, to yours, and that's Candace Talmage, and her book is The Afterlife Healing Circle. And uh, we talked a lot about afterlife and near-death experiences and healing uh, the grief cycle. In well, um, I'm familiar with her book, but but let me let me go ahead and interject. First off, my book is unlike any other book which is out there, so it's not like hers. And her book is very good, but my book completely redefines mediumship. Uh, and spirit communication. I'm introducing new terms and concepts that no one else has because these are strictly my research. And um, our understanding and the terminology related to mediumship and spirit communication was coined in the Victorian era. Evidence of eternity brings spirit communication into an Internet age 21st century understanding and describes it in terms of science, theoretical physics, human physiology, theology evidence uh, so it is it is completely groundbreaking and unlike anything any other medium has put out there well um, my question which I'm really fascinated by and I'll tell you why later but what is the science of mediumship uh, well first off I refer to it as interdimensional communication because that's what it is we're living in the material world dimension and by material world, that means that we have a corporeal existence. We have a body. Uh, everything we know is finite and has a limitation. The other side is pure energy, pure energetic consciousness. And that's, uh, that's our understanding of it at this point. So th- to put it in a nutshell, say that we are living in AM radio. The other side is FM radio. We both use energy, we both uh, convey concepts, we both have frequency and amplitude and modulation, but the two, two uh, universes, uh, if you will, coexist side by side. However, it is possible for them to overlap. And so when spirit communication occurs, what a, a being on the other side does is he or she re- reduces the, the rapidity of their vibration um, so that we, we, meaning a medium, can increase his or her vibration and get a frequency match. So then there's overlap, ergo it's interdimensional communication. And that's just the, the tip of the iceberg 
of the new terminology and uh, scientific concepts that I'm introducing in this book, which is why it has been endorsed by the top three near-death experience researchers in the world. And um, actually, I, I just just learned uh, two weeks ago that it was submitted for a Pulitzer Prize. Oh, I received this email from Columbia University, and I'm like, oh, really? You know, so <laughs> I'm looking at it, I go, this looks pretty authentic. So I call the number, and, and then I, I Googled it, and I go, that is the number of the Pulitzer office. And I called them, and they said, yes, indeed, someone had submitted it for a Pulitzer Prize, and it met all the criteria. And nice. Well, that would be a first. I think I don't think there's ever been, as far as I know, uh, a popular uh, book that the people who are interested in para whatever uh, have embraced. Usually, that's considered, uh, you know, it's not going to be intellectual. Therefore, well, perhaps this is a year for firsts. I mean, yeah, hey, yeah. we just got gay marriage. Maybe we'll have a Pulitzer Prize-winning evidence of eternity. Woo-hoo! That's right. Oh, that would be fabulous. Great. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the um, um, when you're talking about energy from the other side, one of the uh, theories about that actually was espoused all the way back in 1920-ish. It was Thomas Edison who was saying that that he believed because of the Einstein theory of special relativity that that that. that matter, that mass did become energy. His question, and I'm wondering if it's a question that, that, that um, you've asked, is he wondered whether that energy on the other side from a human being actually remained conscious, remained sentient on that side, or was there a diffusion of that energy into certain kinds of packets? And hence, there was some kind of life on the other side, a different form of life, a different form of awareness, but not necessarily personality-based. Well, um, that, yes. In fact, in the 1921 Scientific American, uh, Thomas Edison uh, was interviewed, and he believed that he could create a device sensitive enough to literally tune into the energy of uh, the other side. And his theory was that personality and consciousness does persist and does exist beyond physical life. And the device he was working on has euphemistically been referred to as the spirit phone. And I've seen seen rudimentary versions of it. And the problem is that uh, Thomas Edison didn't get to live long enough to work on it. And, you know, he was one of those people in that class, along with Nikolai Tesla and Leonardo da Vinci and, um, you know, and, and that, you know, Steve Jobs and Albert Einstein. I mean, he had his, his gray matter arranged in a way that he thought he thought so far outside of the box. I mean, we look around us on a daily basis, and there's things that we use and are familiar with that Thomas Edison invented. And um, a lot of incredibly intelligent people have believed that there is life after death and that the consciousness survives physical death. In the last 40 years, uh, the the survival of consciousness and near-death experience realm of study has has grown uh, exponentially. And what's fascinating, it's been conducted worldwide uh, in in, uh, at least a dozen different countries, probably more, and they're all coming up with the same results. So I find it just a matter of time before science discovers, if you will, the afterlife. Right, and science it very, very recently has been talking about matter 
they're re-examining uh, what matters. They're calling it a, um, a substance like a plasma. Or, anyway, uh, but I wanted to first ask you, I'll get that exact article because you'll probably want to comment. But I first wanted to ask you about your experience in two different parts of the uh, British um, uh, education system, for want of a better term. You've studied at Oxford Law. And you studied yep. at a thing called the Arthur Findlay College, which looks like when you go there on the web, it looks like um, Harry Potter type thing. It, it, it does. It, it's funny that you say, I'll talk about Oxford in a minute, but I remember getting off the train from London and um, I flagged down a, a taxi and, and uh, the gentleman pulled me and goes, where are you going, mate? And I said, um, yeah. Arthur Findlay College. He looks and goes, oh, spook school. <laughs> ah. Well, so tell, tell us, yo, tell yeah, us so we're about driving it. Through the, the English countryside, and and um, all of a sudden I saw the sign that said Redwoods. I'm like Redwoods, and we come around this corner, and then you see it. It looks like you're on the set of Harry Potter. And Arthur Finley was he was a medium, but he was also a millionaire uh, during the the waning days of the British Empire. Uh, he was good friends with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who was also a psychic medium, mm-hmm. and what what Arthur Finley believed is that we should study mediumship and spirit communication in the afterlife as a science. And he developed a technique of evidential mediumship, which is what I practice, because if you just, you know, say, oh, you know, someone's around you and they want, don't want you to grieve, that doesn't prove anything until you start giving facts and data about them. Long story short, so I get to, to the... Uh, the college, and they said, leave your luggage here, and now we're going to sort you into your groups. And I'm like, seriously? You know, and so we walk into the <laughs> great hall, and, and I'm expecting you know, to see the sorting app, but instead, <laughs> instead the uh, professor, she comes out on a stage, and she's got these little wireframe glasses, and she's this very prominent British woman, and she looks at all of us, and she says, welcome to Hogwarts. And everybody started cracking up. She goes, "All right, then spook school." <laughs> and um, they they were they were so cool about everything. And the, she said that, "Look, the the local inhabitants of the village they're somewhat terrified of us." She says, "But we don't do anything evil or spooky here. But but people tend to to fear what they don't understand." Uh, so it got the nickname "spook school" in in southern England. But um, how did you find really- it, or get? How did you get into it, et cetera? Um, I was I was uh, recommended um, by I, what happened was I started working with my mediumship in earnest. I was born this way and I always had it. And as I got older, I decided you know I needed to refine it because you know people like Michael Phelps, you know he's a natural athlete, but he didn't just become an Olympic swimmer. He still had to train. You know you see like uh, Andy Roddick and and uh, you know Roger Federer and and all mm-hmm. these. Athletes, you have the ability, but you've got to hone it. Right. And so uh, I was going to development classes in Florida, and every teacher that I worked with said, "I can't teach you anything. You far exceeded what what um, what I can teach." And, and one of them said, "You have to go to to England." And so uh, she referred me, and one thing led to another, and there I was. Well, what do you mean by development classes? There are um, classes to help you learn to uh, uh, refine and, if you will, develop your, your psychic ability, your mediumistic ability. And now, see, I differ from some other mediums. Some people say you can learn, anyone can learn to do this. I think that 
everyone is capable of having a psychic or a mediumistic experience, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is a psychic or medium. In other words, you and I can both do math, but that doesn't mean we're going to be Stephen Hawking. Right. They they, they say the same thing. Yeah. They say the so, same thing about remote viewing. But, for example, I've been doing a lot of study of John D. just because I'm working on a project. And John D. was, uh, I guess, maybe the smartest man on the planet. He was the Einstein of his lifetime. And he had every book in the world. And he had no ability to see anything on the other side and was always really on his knees begging, uh, please, you know, for an angel or something to come down and uh, communicate with him so that he could then learn more because he felt he had reached the, the uh, ceiling. Um, and along comes a, 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 a friend, a guy, who's either conning him or not, but who says he, in fact, can uh, work with spirits. And as things went on, um, this, this um, sidekick began to bring information that to this day is still being studied. So even if he, even if he were conning John D., for example, um, it looks like the joke might have been on him. And so I wonder about these classes, development classes, because I have zero skills, sort of. And I wonder if I, you know, spent money, I guess they cost money. Do you, I mean, you have no guarantee you can learn this stuff, right? No, no. And, and that's what I was trying to explain is that I believe that you either have it or you don't. And if you have it, they teach you how to work with it better, how to recognize when things are being projected to you from a spirit, how to interpret it, how to work with the energy. And, you know, when I say that, you know, you either have it or you don't, and I don't mean that in any form of, of condescending way, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, like I was saying, you know, um, we can both play guitar, but, you know, we'll probably never be Eric Clapton. I mean, everybody is, is good at different things, and we all have well, different how, how did Well, how did Arthur Finley differ from, say, the classes in Florida? Um, much more professional. Uh, there wasn't the uh, the airy fairy woohoo aspect uh, to it. Uh, they would logically explain things. Uh, for example, we were part of a, a study where um, we we're in this big room, and they set up all these cameras which can detect orbs, light, and, and heat signatures. You know, they're they're the type of cameras that are used for orb photography. And the the instructor, she was an elderly woman from Scotland. She's really cool. She's like five feet tall. She goes, I want everyone to sing Silent Night. So, mm-hmm. so we're all singing Silent Night. And it was cool because I was the only American in the program. And there was a number of people from Britain. But there was, um, I think, folks from 14 different countries all mm-hmm. together. So it was all these different languages. But everyone knew Silent Night um, in their own language. And so we're watching the screens. And you could see a couple orbs coming in. And so I started getting wow. excited, and we're all getting excited. She goes, oh, you like that, do you? Nothing, huh. jingle bells. We're all like, jingle bell, jingle And we're looking at the screens, and orbs are flying wow. in. And then afterwards, wow. we were discussing this and uh, saying that when you have a lighter, brighter, energetic atmosphere, it's easier for spirits to communicate. And uh-huh. in my own practice, I've seen when people are in a profound state of grief, or they go into a reading and they have an agenda and they want to talk to you, they want to talk to you, and they want it to say what they want it to say. They're setting up a negative energy barrier. It's like people say, he died, he won't come through me. I want this. I right, want this. right, I want right. This. And so right. They're, they're setting up a negative energy barrier, whereas if you can refocus that 
too lighter or brighter. In a lot of my readings, I use some humor, and in my public presentations, I use humor because that reduces tension, brings down. It's like in Star Trek, you know, either raise the shields or lower the shields. We want the shields down, okay? Let's take well, the within the down. within the Jewish Church, sometimes um, they will uh, the rabbi will get up and and ask you to dance with him before he begins to pray because. Laughter and dancing and music is gets you much closer to the mind of God, um, according to it Jewish does. tradition. Yes, in in the uh, Catholic Church where I was raised in liturgical dance, um, where it's usually you know girls come and, and they they do dances and uh, they offer each you know we all offer each other the sign of peace. If you go to uh, especially African American churches, there's a lot of singing and a lot of you know praise God and hallelujah, and and that's really very important for um, for raising vibrational frequency mm-hmm. and to access the higher higher energy of the other side. So even though a lot of religions do this, um, and, and maybe they don't they don't necessarily subscribe to to what I do as a medium. We're all doing the same thing. You're raising vibrational frequency. And that's why I have an issue with these churches that you go to and all they do is you're bad, you're sinners, you're bad, you're evil, original sin, and all this guilt and negativity. It's, it's, I always feel better when you go to a service and the minister, the rabbi, the priest, the imam is making everyone feel good. It's mm-hmm. like God is love and energy, and it raises the vibrational frequency and makes you want to be there instead of you're a schmuck, you're evil, you're a sinner. Like, well, well, yeah. since you yeah. since you've been out there out there on the uh, other plane, so to speak, mentally, you've certainly traveled places. Uh, what happens when you encounter a force that is black or or horrible or mean or wants to break you in pieces or something? What do you do? Uh, see, that doesn't happen to me. Ah. Uh, in my readings, negative energies don't come through. Now, um, what what I have found is if there's an energy that I feel might might um, be unpleasant, I ask God to send forth angels to escort this energy into the light for his or her own good. And let me tell you something. Wow. <laughs> Angelic that, bouncers. <laughs> and, uh, basically, yeah. I mean, you know, angels are, are, are really beautiful and, and wonderful beings. Oh. And uh, yeah. there's a whole myriad of intelligent non-human species on the other side. Um, you know, I work primarily with human spirits and to a lesser extent with angels. Not that I, I don't want to work with angels, but unless my client, uh, the one I'm reading for, has had a direct experience with an angel, uh, angels don't necessarily fit into evidential mediumship. You know, you can't verify that, oh, this is Archangel Michael because of the golden sword that he carries or, or whatever. Well, have you ever um, heard of the Princeton uh, Engineering Anomalies Research situation? No. PEAR, P-E-A-R. It was established at Princeton, and then eventually it kind of fell apart or it's gone or it's whatever, but it's it's still a presence on the web <clears throat> but they were doing talk about scientific stuff. They were uh, showing that you could show consciousness, and and one example that is easy to kind of describe is um, if you took two storm windows. You know, there's a tiny space between, you know, a big storm window that's like a um, a patio door, right? And there's like a space between the two pieces of glass, and so uh, they filled that space with tiny little. Uh, styrofoam uh, dots filling, right? Very light. 
and and they would sit participants in front of it, and you could, with your mind, move those things because, in other words, they were so uh, staticky. You know what I'm talking about? Those little things that get all over your hands when you open up a package. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they were between two pieces of glass, and so the participants, uh, like a, a semicircle in front of the piece of glass. Um, could together move all that stuff, okay? Men, and, and this kind of research, for whatever reasons, they did a lot of papers and things. And after nine one one, and they showed definitively that right before nine one one, there was a humongous leap in the consciousness of the entire planet. The planet knew it was how it was coming, and the way they uh, showed that or proved that is they had a whole system of things they called eggs, e g g s in which they put computers in different people's houses all around the world. And then, then after that, it gets foggy. I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure the rest of how they would measure this. But, but you could look this all up, PEA or Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research. So, yeah. Sounds fascinating. Yeah, so. Okay. Okay, so... Um, <clears throat> You, it's eleven o'clock, and so it uh, seems like I, like we should. I, but maybe not. We're not taking a break at this moment. It looks like no. We take uh, a break at later. at the bottom of the hour. Okay. Okay. Well, well okay. bottom of the hour just happened. No, but the bottom of the eleven thirty. That's hour. the end. Of, that's the yeah. But well, bottom of the hour now coming up would be the end of the show. Eleven thirty. Middle, middle of the hour would be. You're, you're in such about. a bad mood, Angel. I can't do <laughs> it. No, no, I'm just correcting because bottom of the hour is the end of the show. Well, really? see, we have I to... always thought the bottom of the hour was of the 30 because whenever I'm on a show, they always yeah, that's say, an hour. That's a half the hour. Of the hour. Right. That's the bottom that's of the, the half. Bottom. That, that, that's where the line, that's where the hands are at the bottom. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, so I think Mark can probably. Uh, well, let me take this moment to apologize. Mark is better than I can. Aren't you glad they ahead, invented Mark. digital clocks? When I was a little kid, oh. you know, the, the round, you know, the dial, um, it was funny because when I was four years old, I could spell Tyrannosaurus Rex and explain to you what it was. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't tie my shoes and I mm-hmm. couldn't tell time on a dial. Mm-hmm. And I remember my parents were like, how is this possible? You know, the, you know, cause I mm-hmm. sit there and, and, uh, you know, I'm going to go to the doctor. Uh, my parents would say, don't talk, baby, talk to him. Just ask him, you know, questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember my folks bringing me to a child psychologist and they did all these tests on me. And what he said is leave him alone. He'll get <laughs> it when he's ready. And then when I was nine years old, all of a sudden I just tied my shoes one day and I could read mm-hmm. time on a clock. So, um, but but still, I'm glad that we now have digital clocks. So as I look at it, it's like it's 11:02 as opposed to now. Is that? <laughs> well, 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 you know, know Mark. Mark let me... Yeah, go ahead. I have, you know, uh, my question. I, I was fascinated by one of the things you said on an, on uh, uh, to Dave Schrader, which was that you were experiencing um, paranormal um, sensibilities from the time you were a little kid. And, and one of the things that I was fascinated by was how did that affect your growing up, your socialization, your education, things like that? Well, that's, that's a long story, but, but it's a good question. Um, about about the, when I was four, I started seeing friends that were invisible. But the cool thing about this is my parents could also see them because both my parents are or mediums. 
and uh, this is a, a recessive genetic trait that seems to run in both sides of the family, attracted to back um, to the 1890s on my mom's side and, and around 1900 to my dad's. And so I'm assuming it went further back. Right, than right, that. right. And my parents didn't, didn't ostracize me or, or chastise me. They were very understanding. So I remember when I kind of um, started explaining who it was, and Mom was like, oh, no. <laughs> she said, and I remember she talking to my husband. She said, honey, she said, he's got it. And, wow. and my dad said, Mark, you know, you're not to talk about this outside of the house because people won't understand, but you can talk to us about it, and, and you can talk to us about it all you want. And so they were very, very good about that. And so I grew up in a household. We were Catholic. My dad um, had been raised Baptist, but he had to convert uh, to marry my mom. Different, different world back then. And um, but mom would talk about Buddha and Krishna, and and mom was into yoga and meditation. And so she saw that that God is God is God, and that any one religion that claimed dominance over the others was just you know, she she didn't believe that you know my way or the highway type of type of religion and we were always looked at in the neighborhood sort of as kind of the strange family but cool strange well yeah what what were your father parents what were your parents professions my dad was a nasa engineer and my mother was a commercial artist and so it's not like they, you know, had a neon hand in the window saying, come for a psychic reading. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, in fact, I'm, in, I'm the first person in the family to ever go public with it. Um, and it was, uh, and it, the two sides of the family treated it very differently. My father's side being the waspy Baptist uh, background, they looked at it as something to be afraid of even though, you know, there was a bunch of folks there that, that uh, were able to perceive spirits. My mother's family, the Italian side of the family, looked at uh-huh. it as visions and a gift from God. Right, my, right. My, my mother's grandmother, my great-grandmother, Giovanna, came over from Italy, and I write a lot about this in Evidence mm-hmm. of Eternity. In fact, Giovanna was actually featured recently in the PBS special on Italian-Americans. Ah, I uh, saw a, that. A, wonder, a yeah. wonderful show, yeah. Wait, wait, yeah. Wh- wh- uh, which one was she, which section was she in? I think she was in the, the first section, um, and they talk about her when she came over from America because her husband, Nunzio, had been killed in an industrial accident. She was in Italy, and she woke up screaming because she knew. Yes, yes, she we knew. saw this. Yeah, that was my great-grandmother and then her daughter. Now, this is not an evidence of attorney because um, it's probably going to be in my next book. But um, my grandmother, Angelina, was actually kidnapped by the Black Hand, which is the precursor to the Mafia. Right. And held for ransom back around, right. I think, 1910. This was so in the, was, this was in the yeah. special also. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was in the yes. special. So and it's funny because when I was watching the credits, there was pictures of my mother holding my brother. I mean, it was like, oh my God! And seeing my grandmother being interviewed, and I remember when I was a little boy, she told me the story about she was four years old when she was kidnapped, and how they kept her in this room. They yes, 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 and yes. And she'd cry herself to sleep, and and all this. And so, so this is you know part of my my family's heritage. Well, and you're writing a book about this. Um, well, my cousin who was interviewed uh, wrote a book about – she wrote a novel based on it called Elizabeth Street. 
um, which is which is a really great great novel, and um, it's gotten a lot of traction in the Italian American community because we tend to glamorize, you know, The Godfather and Goodfellas and Sopranos. Yes. We, we glamorize uh, the, uh, organized crime, but they're actually evil, sociopath, psychopathic killers. Right, and right. People, people found what my cousin wrote and what I'm writing in Evidence of Eternity, and in my first book, Never Letting Go, I have stories about my family uh, and my psychic heritage in there. They are, are embracing this because it's nice to see Italians depicted as not being yes. thugs and that's why I love the series so much. Uh, tell yeah. me your cousin's book's name. Elizabeth uh, Street. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Street. Street. Yes, which was the street that they lived on. I believe it was in Brooklyn uh, when my grandmother um, was kidnapped. And um, I write extensively about Giovanna um, uh, in Never Letting Go and also in Evidence of Eternity. Because what happened, Nancy, mm. was when I was on the Never Letting Go book tour – People kept saying, God, your family's so interesting, we want to mm-hmm. know more. So I, I realized that, that my, my abilities are genetic, um, and, and it's a recessive genetic trait. In other words, dominant genetic traits in my family would be like brown hair, brown eyes, right-handedness. Okay, those are things that you inherit. But there are people in my family who are blue-eyed left-handed, and then there's people who are psychic. And we know that, that um, certain mental abilities are, are genetic. Intelligence is genetic. Athletic prowess is genetic. I mean, there's a reason you look like your parents. Okay, right, of course. Genetic. So a recessive trait may skip a generation or two. But when both parents have the same recessive trait, dad was a medium or is a medium, mom was, she's on the other side now, and both parents have that trait, the likelihood of one of their children having the trait increases exponentially, and that child happens to be me. Wow. Now, do you have and, any siblings? Yeah. I'm sorry? Do you have any siblings? I do, and um, um, I, I write about them in both my books. Um, they're both extremely intuitive. Um, they both tend to, to get glimpses of future events, and I actually think that my brother... Um, brother could probably open up the door to his mediumistic abilities, but he, he doesn't really want to. He doesn't mm-hmm. really want to. Um, because once and, you do, there's no going back. There's no going back. Is that right? I, I believe I mean, so. And, and, and for me, it's like I wouldn't want to go back. It'd be like, well, now that I have my PhD, I think I need to go back to junior high school. Well, on the other hand, on the other hand, now that your mind is open, let's say, and you've become something like, let's just say, lucid dreaming, you're a lucid dreamer now, um, sometimes you might want to go back to just being kind of able to block all that stuff out and just kind of crack open a beer and watch some sports. Well, I you can know? do that if I want. Um, yeah. And, and what, one of the things that, that is, is – um, is what you have to learn in these development classes is how to turn it on and turn it off. Ah. Uh, I get a lot of young mediums who come up and go, oh, the spirit's around me, oh, they're freaking out. And it's like, well, <laughs> tell them to, to stop. I can do that? It's like, yes, yes, you can do that because the medium's in control, not the spirits. And you determine the parameters of the contact and when it's going to happen. And, and the example that I give is, do you leave the doors and windows of your house open and unlocked 24-7? Now, maybe mm-hmm. if you live on the top of a mountain in some rural area and they don't have neighbors or anything, that's one thing. But most people don't. 
so why would you do that to yourself psychically and mentally and emotionally? So mm-hmm. you tell the spirits, I'm either doing this or I'm not doing this. And then what happens is it actually um, increases the quality of the contact, and they'll work with you. They will respect your privacy because they're not here to, to hurt or harm anyone. They're here to help us, and they want to work with the medium to, to get the information through. Well, what would you say is the – this has always fascinated me too – what is the nature of spirits? Do they want to be where they are? Do they have a choice about being where they are? Can they be in some place where they're not spirits that are somehow bound around earthly individuals, but for want of a better term, in their own world? We can understand them to an extent, and it's not that they're trying to be nefarious or secretive. It's that we exist in the material world with a finite perception of things, and they are infinite beings. So, um, yes, they can come and visit us. They can go to other places. They are moving at least at light speed, maybe faster for all we know. So that's why they can pop in, see what's going on with you, and pop out real quick. And one of the concepts um, that I discuss in great detail in Evidence of Eternity is the collective consciousness disconnect and the nature of consciousness. Also, mm-hmm. how there's levels to the other side. It's not just, okay, you die and da-da, you're in, in the light. There appears to be, just like there, there's many, many frequencies on an AM or FM or Sirius XM radio dial, it's the same thing on the other side. There's a, a multitude of frequencies. And people say, well, I don't know if I believe that. So, yeah, but when you think mm-hmm. about what, what visible light spectrum versus the um, electromagnetic spectrum, what we can see is, is such a minute fraction of all the, um, uh, uh, of the spectrum in the electromagnetic you know, universe, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't see gamma rays, X-rays, radio waves, microwaves, so on and so forth. And, um, and then also the dark matter theorists are indicating that with our human eyes and even our technology, we're only capable of, of perceiving at best 10% of the universe. And since uh, I believe in multiverses, that's a pretty, pretty tiny, um, tiny percentage. So, but spirits let me know that uh, they are capable of moving um, around, uh, that there are different levels, and that um, they are um, always trying to ascend to higher levels. And um, they do tell me, and, and this is not just me, but also near-death experience research, uh, is that reincarnation is real is that there is no need for a hell, but there is reincarnation. Right. And well, you just said, yeah, you just said they're, they're always trying to ascend to higher levels. Why would that be? Um, how, do you, how do you think they manage? How do the we hell manage? Hell is on earth, Nancy. That's what he's saying. Yeah, hell, hell, hell is, is on earth. earth. And, and yep. for anyone who has lost a loved one and that gripping fear and horror and depression, that's hell. Anyone who is watching a loved this one or is yourself yep. is dying of cancer, that's hell. Yes. The people that are yep. living under the oppression of ISIL um, mm-hmm. and, and all the, these horrible things in the world, that, that's hell on mm-hmm. earth. That makes and, sense. That makes sense, yeah. It, right. And it appears that we come in a succession of lifetimes to experience things that we simply cannot on the other side. Because on the other side, being pure consciousness, therefore you're pure energy. 
and energy doesn't get tired, doesn't get old, doesn't get sick, um, and, and energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. Ergo, the soul pre-exists the body, as all the religions believe, comes into mm-hmm. the body, as all faiths believe, and when the body ceases to exist, it, it moves on. And, and it's like, I started looking at this, and it's like, wow, the parallels between uh, the laws of physics and, and the migration of the soul, wow, there's, it's really, really there. It's really there, and so, so they we we go through the succession of lifetimes so that we can ascend to these higher frequencies. And I'm like, so what happens then? Do you get to be with God? And they, and I got the distinct impression when I asked that question was they're almost laughing at me, saying, "Well, it's quite a bit more complicated than that." And I said, "What do you mean?" They said, well, then you go on to another dimension. I'm like, seriously. Mm-hmm. Seriously? I mean, we've got to go through this all again looking like E.T. or some gelatinous cube in the Delta Quadrant? I mean, what? (laughs) It makes sense, though. I mean, if you think about it, with all the people that die and all the souls out there, God's going to be a pretty busy dude, especially if he's up there. You know, like, uh, how much time could you actually spend with the big guy? You get to sit there with him like, hey, eternity was great, God. You know, the the, the Cubs never won a series. Uh, You know, after 10 minutes, really, how much more can you say to the guy? What more can you ask? Exactly. Gee, I'm so happy and I'm glowing. Um, I think that um, we we want to go on this eternal quest and, and to learn things and 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 move on. And it's really hard to to comprehend this. It's well, really let me hard. let me let me throw this in because sure. um, the the thing about the physicists saying that uh, that consciousness itself might be a state of matter. Uh, they've gone a little further. They've uh, uh, Max Tegmark. He's not a small potato guy. He's a big potato guy. Um, he's actually named this stuff. He's calling it perceptronium. Perceptronium, as in perceptions. Yeah. Perceptronium defined as the most general substance that feels subjectively self-aware. Interesting. Oh, cool. uh, yeah. And it's got a lot of, you know, the, they've got, they actually have math behind this. But the small, the, the, as the most general substance that feels subjectively self-aware, consciousness. Interesting. That, yeah. It's called perceptronium. I love yep. it, perceptronium. It almost sounds like one of those spells in, in Harry Potter. Yeah. Patronium. Oh, that was expecto patronum. Anyway, it sounds like a bad guy in an X Men movie. Actually, it does. Patronium. <laughs> right, and then there's also uh, uh, Lazar's thing, unobtainium. Is that Lazar? Which sounds like no, 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 that's not a team. No, that uh, was it. Element uh, one fifteen was Lazar. Element element one fifteen. So there is, but is unobtainium only in movies, or is it also in real life? Isn't that what Unobtain- Wolverine's metals made out of? Was antimonium? No, that it's, was it's, adamantium. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know, well, you know uh, it, it, it's fun though because because uh, when you look at like Marvel and DC Comics and all that and these superheroes, um, when you look at them, they're really good because these are people with unusual abilities. And yeah, they're great and they can be heroic and all that. But they have problems too, and that's what makes for for good characters. And I know a lot of a lot of psychically gifted people, and it doesn't make your life perfect or wonderful. Um, it 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 is an ability, and it gives you insights into things. But we have problems like everybody else, and and it certainly doesn't make you invulnerable to to illnesses and and of the like. And and that's what I like when you see like Spider Man. Here he is with these incredible issues, but he's always struggling to pay his rent. You know, I just think that's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, that's that yeah. him very yeah. human and relatable. Well, 
um, you're mentioning reincarnation and do the spirits have volition when it comes to reincarnation or is it another mechanism? That's a really good question. Um, it may be a little bit of both because it depends on who you talk to. Um, you know, some people say that, oh, you chose this life, and maybe to some extent you have. But I'm a firm believer that for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction, which is not only the law of physics but the law of karma. And so let's say you come into this world and you do horrific and terrible things to other people there are ramifications for that. Yeah, because if you boil every religion down, it comes down to two words. Be nice. It's like, be nice. And, and people say, well, that sounds simple. It's like, yeah, well, try being nice all the time. It's real easy to be enlightened on a mountaintop in Maui. Try being enlightened in a traffic jam in L.A., okay? Um, and and it's, 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 it's very, very difficult. It's very much of a challenge. So, so um, when people go through this life, and when you do things that are unkind or, or self-centered, you're acting strictly out of an ego-driven uh, agenda, and you harm other people, even if our human system of justice is a failure. And as an attorney, I can tell you, largely, it is. Mm. Um, you will never escape the law of balance, the law of karma, um, reincarnation, God's system of justice. And that's one of the concepts I explain in great detail in Evidence of Eternity. Um, I believe we have a caller. I, I, I would like to break in, if I could. Okay, caller. Um, this, this is Lou, and this I, I want your guest to continue because it's a different topic. Unobtainium is a George Knapp joke, as an unobtainable. Right. You know, he's just saying, okay, well, you were, right, I thought you were asking but, as if it was a real element. No, 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 no. It was the joke because Ted Ackworth was yeah. always bringing that up on UFO Hunters that well, also, uh, we've never uh, found unobtainium. The movie right, was... Right, um, right, okay. What's the movie where the guy is rich and a uh, Iron Man? He uses Tony a lot of... Unob- yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he uses a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, oh, really? Does he? Okay. Yeah. I thought, well, I understood. Anyway, I know it from George. But I believe, I believe... I thought you were thinking it was real. No, but I no, here's no, no. the thing. No. But guys, I'm pretty sure somebody has applied someplace, and it is, in fact, I, I'm not going to look it up right now, but it is, I think, in fact, the name of something real these days as a an homage. Just FYI. You can always trademark it. <laughs> All right. That's it. Thank Call you, Lou. Your guest. Thank you. Thank you, Lou. Yeah, I, I, asked, I asked Angel to break in, but he did not. You see that? I have no control over here. I wanted a uh, an angelic bouncer, and I and I'm not getting it tonight. So okay. so so if an angelic bouncer. So so if there's so if there's volition, um, how does what is the mechanism for this? Like, is there something like a parachute jump, or um, do you get a calling? I mean. Since the spirits have explained this to you, have spirits explained to you how they are reincarnated in various lives and what it's like coming into a carnate state um, maybe a thousand years after your last state? Uh, To an extent, uh, to an extent. Um, We also have to realize that when you separate from your body, what dies is is the body and the organs with it, and the brain is an organ. 
and and um, Evan Alexander and I were both speakers at Edgar Casey's Afterlife Conference last November, and we both agree that your brain houses consciousness but does not create your consciousness, despite what some neurosurgeons say, because mm-hmm. in a, in a neuro a neurology book. There may be 800 pages on functions of the brain and maybe two paragraphs on what is consciousness. They cannot say what creates it, nor can they recreate it. So when you separate from your body, the human ego is what dies, and ego is a function created by the brain. And that's why whenever you commit um, negative acts and are unkind to other people, uh, it's all because you're acting out of self as center of the universe, self-centeredness, um, and you're not acting out of love for another person. And the spirit is much wiser because it is devoid of the human ego, although um, for purposes of spirit communication and individuality, it retains personality traits, memories, um, likes and dislikes, so on and so forth. So the spirit can then objectively analyze in a life review what what you did in this last incarnation and then accept what will be coming in the next life. Because if we all had a me, 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 we'd all want to be like billionaires in perfect health with washboard abs and great teeth. And, and you know what I'm saying? I mean, we'd all pick yeah. the, the big kahuna lifetime. Not too many people say, yeah, I think I'll pick the leper in the gutters of Dhaka and Bangladesh. Yeah, that's the one I want. Um, except, though, that coming into an existence like that is to learn and experience things, which you and I may find to be incomprehensible, but we're also looking at things from a very, very minute, infinitesimal fraction of what we are and what our eternal existence is. So to answer your question directly, yes, we have a choice in it, and yes, it seems to be in conjunction with, I I, I like to use the word God, but you can say higher power. It all seems to be part of a a system. And it appears that each lifetime, um, yeah, I mean, we've all met somebody that you never met before in this life, and and you swear I have known her my entire life. Um, And I think that that's when your soul is recognizing uh, somebody else that you've been, been through, um, a lifetime with, or there's people that you meet that you just instinctively dislike, and everyone's like, "Oh no, he's really very nice." It's like, no, he isn't. And, and I think that there's reasons why we go through this. So it's like we're characters in a play, and then in this lifetime we're we're all in King Lear, and in the next lifetime we're all in Death of a Salesman or, mm-hmm. or whatever. It's a good way so, of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the way it appears. Appears. To yeah. Me. And sometimes we're, we're stagehands and grips. Right, but yeah, but we're on the stage. Yeah, but we're up. But the point is that we are we all wind up on the same stage, yeah. even though we're playing different roles. And sometimes the roles switch from lifetime to lifetime. So you actually do get to walk in a mile in another person's shoes. Right, right, exactly. And and when you start getting real esoteric about the other side. If you look at the the, the great um, theorists from from Einstein onwards, how time is timeless. You know, we tend to think that time exists, but you know, you talk to or read uh, Stephen Hawking or Einstein, and then you look at ancient Hinduism. Hinduism is a fascinating religion because the way they talk about energy transference, creation, and recreation um, coincides a lot with with what I get from the other side, and also with physics. Because the Hindus believe that your next 
incarnation can be in what we consider to be the past. And I was like, I never thought of it that way until I started right. studying Hinduism. I was like, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, your next lifetime, maybe you'll be, um, I don't know, in ancient Persia or something. So it's right. all happening it's all simultaneously. Times, yeah, right. All times coexist um, in the same in the same cosmic instant so that you could be anywhere because time is also um, part of existence as opposed to something beyond existence. Yes. Well, the great age of spiritualism, we have two experts on tonight. Uh, what were the, uh, when did it start and when, and, and when did it end and what end, ended the great age of spiritualism? The great well, let's age let... of spiritualism? Um, well, spiritualism as a religion started popping up in the mid-19th century. And what's mm-hmm. really fascinating is two of the most influential and, I'd say, dynamic females of the mid-19th century would be Queen Victoria and Mary Todd Lincoln, uh, Abraham Lincoln's wife, and both of them were ardent spiritualists. Right, right. Both of them right. consulted with mediums on a regular basis, and they also used to correspond. Um, Queen Victoria, though, didn't get the, the ridicule that uh, Mary Todd Lincoln did because, you know, she was the queen of the British Empire. And she she used to consult with mediums um, to keep in touch with her beloved Prince Albert, her husband who died. And Mary Todd Lincoln was ridiculed and even um, um, committed to a, an insane asylum. By her son, by, by the way. Oh, by, yeah, by, yeah, her, by her son, son, Robert Lincoln, who was Secretary yes. of War. He put his mother away. Nice yes, kid. Did. You know, he died in 1926, yeah, and I was surprised I that, that, that he lived that long, and um, there's, I mean, we could talk about Robert Todd Lincoln all night, because he was a really fascinating man, and uh, he's the only person known to have been directly connected, I don't say like responsible, but connected to three presidential assassinations. He was supposed mm. to be at Ford's Theater that night, but his he father, not right. to go, his father. And then it was um, Garfield. He was supposed to meet President Garfield, who was having reoccurring dreams about being assassinated. And so um, Garfield met him at this train station in, in D.C., and when he stepped off the platform, he saw President Garfield assassinated. And then I believe it was in 1904, he was invited by President McKinley um, to a fair in Upper State New York. And when he arrived, he saw President McKinley assassinated. Hmm. And he wrote in his memoirs, there is a certain fatality to the presidential function when I am present. Yeah. Well, Well, the odd thing, too, is that all of the presidents that you mentioned were all zero year presidents. Yes. And all the and all the way back in the in uh, eighteen twenty, uh, Tecumseh's brother, the the shaman, Tenskatawa, put a curse because of Tippecanoe, the Battle of Tippecanoe, on all presidents that were elected in zero years. And that curse, if you translate a curse as a calamity, has actually been active ever since eighteen twenty, actually eighteen forty. Yeah, it's interesting. That's I've, I've heard that. I've heard that. And, uh, and I can only imagine um, what Robert Todd Lincoln must have lived with. Well, I mean, what kind of childhood? Which, uh, all the children seem to have been very dramatic players in their parents' life. There was, um, they lost one son. Well, um, Willie Lincoln died of typhus because the White House water uh, supply was contaminated. Well, where was Robert in the family and was he a favorite? 
He was no, older. So Willie, Willie was the favorite, and actually Mary Lincoln lost a boy in infancy, and then she lost Willie in the White House, and she lost Tad Lincoln uh, right after uh, they left the White House. So she lost three sons uh, in her life. And, and uh, is Robert her natural son? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. so she Robert simply... Was the, he was the sole surviving Lincoln, and he was concerned for her mental well-being, um, but, you know, the more I study Mary Todd Lincoln, I think she really got a bad rap. Um, most of her family fought on the side of the Confederacy. Her husband right, because her family, was, her family from yeah. Kentucky were slaveholders. Yes. Um, she lost three sons. She was menopausal. Um, they're in the Civil she War. Was uh, she was she, bipolar. She was bipolar. That was one of bipolar. And, um, but she was a brilliant woman. She spoke French fluently. Um, she had very expensive tastes, uh, and, and she was a refined woman, and she didn't squander her money. She seemed to, to handle it um, with, with a great degree of proficiency, but um, her son did have her committed to, to a mental institution. So um, the Lincolns were a pretty dysfunctional family. Um, they were very but, much because uh, Abraham yeah. Lincoln had severe migraines. Um, he, too, was very depressive. He was fatalistic. We know that because he knew he was going to be – encounter a tragedy at Ford's Theater. But um, the, the interesting thing about the Lincolns was that um, their trans-channeler, their medium, was this young woman called Nettie Coburn, yes. who, who wrote a book about her experiences. And she was the one who was able to bring the spirit of, because um, uh, uh, Sarah, um, uh, Mary Tom Lincoln would not leave her room. She wouldn't leave the bedroom after Willie died. She was that depressed. And it was Nettie Coburn who brought Willie back, and that's what brought her. And so Lincoln was so impressed at what Nettie Coburn was – and you wouldn't see this in a Dorothy in a Doris Kearns Goodwin book. But he was so impressed that he began having seances at the White House with members of the cabinet. Right. It's fascinating. See, that, that got out among Washington society, which was every bit as vicious then as it is now, and then mm. the Lincolns were certifiable, according right. to And the focal point of that became Mary Lincoln. And it's not unusual for the first lady to, to get the rap for, um, you know, um, for, for maybe her husband's uh, behavior. I mean, when you look at Bill Clinton when he was president, the target of the enemies tended to be Hillary. Um, and but, and remember the, when the Hillary Clinton cycle should be interesting, um, right? Well, but remember, had, yeah, but uh, remember Warren Hillary, Hill. yeah, but remember when Hillary tried to channel the spirit of Eleanor Roosevelt with Jean Houston? Yes. Boy, did she get! She was mauled by the media. Yeah, she did because it got out that she was channeling Eleanor Roosevelt and Mahatma Gandhi. But then the the um, Clintons immediately denied that, and then Jean oh, Houston. Yeah was given the boot from the White House. Um, and, um, you know, if you look at Warren G. Harding's wife, Flossie uh, DeKling um, Harding, she was older than him, and she was from a very wealthy publishing family, and she was the power behind the throne that got him elected. And then he's a womanizer and got all caught up in the Teapot Dome scandal. And when he died of a heart attack, there were some people that, that, that accused her of poisoning him. So it's not unusual for first ladies to be taking the fall, and Mary Todd Lincoln certainly did it. But, you know, the fact is, Abraham Lincoln inherited an absolute disaster, and 
he managed to prevail. And it's really a shame that he didn't live because his plan for reconstruction of the South was going to be tolerant and moderate as opposed to the punitive measures right, by right. Andrew Johnson. Well, remember uh, the wait, Repu- wait, 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 wait. We have to take a break. We have to take a break. We have okay, to take a we'll break. come back. Middle of the time. bottom of the hour, remember, Bill. We'll come back with the Republican platform of 1860. We're going to take a break, well, wait, everybody. Wait, we I are also want to – yeah, go ahead. Never mind. <laughs> we are your co-host, Bill and Nancy Burns, on Future Theater on the Dark Matter Digital Network and PSN Radio. And we're our guest, Mark Anthony. And we'll be back after these messages. This is Solaris Blue Raven with Hyperspace on Dark Matter Radio. Tune in on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for an intriguing show pertaining to covert technology, UFOs, paranormal, mysticism, and spirituality. This is Jeff Brady, host of In Other News, heard on Dark Matter Radio on Thursdays. In this strange period where free energy technology is weaponized, dissent is criminalized, and war economies flourish, the human family is being deliberately assaulted on multiple fronts in the food, air, water, and during sleep. Yet here we are with information at our fingertips, only to become a slave to the portable digital communication device. So tune in to In Other News, Thursdays on the Dark Matter Radio Network, the pioneers of overnight talk radio. In a world run by thugs and imbeciles, by robber barons in three-piece suits, where a subservient media pipes sewage into the eyes and ears of the masses 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where do you go for the truth? Is the president an alien, either Kenyan or Zeta? Did the fabulous sea monkeys ordered from comic book ads by kids in the 60s and 70s slither out of their tanks and into ears, and are they running the brains of the ruling elite today? Is David Icke right about the queen being a lizard, or is there a sea monkey brooding on his brain? Like a jockey atop a chunk of horse meat. Are Lemurians beneath Mount Shasta really addicted to porn and chewing tobacco? Or are their spokesmen in the surface world deluded or deranged? For the answers to all these questions and more, tune in each week for another revealing and informative episode of Unraveling the Secrets. And get that sea monkey off of your brain. And we are back on Future Theater Live on the Dark Matter Digital Network and PSN Radio and with our guest, Mark Anthony. We are going to get on to a bunch of other stuff, but the one thing I wanted to uh, ask you about was um, you were talking about the hell that Abraham Lincoln stepped into. And you remember, well, you remember the history that when Abraham Lincoln, well, two things, when Abraham Lincoln ran for president, most people don't realize this, that when he ran for ple- president, the Republican platform of, 19, of 1860 was not to interfere with the plantation economy of the South. 
Lincoln's platform was leave the South alone, but keep the Union together. And it was only, and here's where the mediumship comes in, it was only during the war when Lincoln began wrestling over whether or not he should sign the Emancipation Proclamation, because yes. that would have run exactly counter to his own presidential platform. So the well, person there, he called there, for counseling was Nettie Coburn, who invoked yeah, but, the spirit of Daniel Webster. Yeah, but, but all right, let, let's, let's, it, that, that very well may be true, and I'm not, not saying that it isn't, but there was also a political reality. Oh, absolutely. That, that uh, he had to do this, because Lincoln was quoted as saying, if I could win the war without freeing the slaves, I would. But what was happening is that with early Southern successes under the uh, military genius of Robert E. Lee, Britain and France, the two most powerful countries in the world at the time, were considering and coming on the side of the South. In fact, exactly. the British even moved additional troops into Canada, and the French were looking at it. And it was after, I believe, the Battle of, um, of Gettysburg, um, which was such a decisive um, uh, victory for the Union, that and then both Britain and France and all the other European countries had outlawed slavery. Uh, that was the key, right before. there. Right. So then, when he issued the Emancipation Proclamation, that then gave the Union the moral high ground, putting them more in sync with the Europeans. Plus the fact that they had decisively uh, defeated the South, so Britain and France backed off. Because let me tell you something, um, at that time the, the, the British Navy was the size of the next two largest navies in the world, which would have been the French and the German navies, uh, and, and they could have just swept ours from the sea. And if the French uh, had, were already invested in Mexico, they had seized control of Mexico, they could have launched an invasion from the south, the British from the north. I don't think the, uh, the Union could have withstood uh, the Confederacy, France, and Britain lined well, up Britain, against them. Oh, oh, well, Britain would have broken the blockade that the Union had over the oh, south. With, well, with, with what, what, kept, yeah. what kept these two superpowers from entering the fray? Well, it was Prince well, Albert the, the in Britain. The at Gettysburg and then the Emancipation Proclamation. Because at Gettysburg, it basically, even though the South still, still had an army, it broke their back. And then with the Emancipation Proclamation, um, it would have been politically embarrassing for Britain and France to step in um, because, because now the Union was saying, well, we don't believe in slavery either, and we're on the same moral high ground right, as right. you do. Interesting. Well, well, it was uh, well. Yeah. The big fight in Britain was um, the person who stepped in when theoretically he shouldn't have stepped in because he reigns, he doesn't govern. Was Prince Albert? Because it was Prince Albert who really kept the Parliament from um, weighing in on the side of the South because Britain saw the South as an endless supply of cotton because they were the big cotton manufacturers of uh, right. Europe. So yeah, there was a there were uh, there was a lot of those politics going on. But the funny thing you mentioned the Battle of Gettysburg, and probably one of the great stories of the Battle of Gettysburg, which actually made it into U.S. Army war records, was that the person, the entity that blunted one of the major charges at the Battle of Little Round Top, which was one of the one of the skirmishes that um, had blunted Pickett's charge was um, George Washington, the ghost of George Washington leading the Union troops, according to um, the person who became the governor of, I think it was uh, Maine, 
because he uh, and he became the president of Bowdoin College. Uh, this was in the Army War Records. How this this figure in white on a white horse after the um, main volunteers ran out of ammunition on the top of the hill. They were under siege. He led them down on this charge, and the. And, the, and this one Confederate unit said they would do anything never to fight these guys again. And that was one of the skirmishes that, that set up the positioning for Pickett's Charge. And that was pretty decisive as it came to be in the Battle of Gettysburg, won by a ghost of George Washington. Well, that's a new one. I haven't heard that one. but That's, that's in my book. That's in my book, Haunting of the President. Cool. Yeah, with Joe Morton. But I mean, yeah, that's, that's just one of the fascinating stories. And, and it would be lore, except for the fact that it wound up in the, in the Army records. Cool. Well, well, the reason I we're, yeah we're coming down the wire. I'm going to be on tour of Denver uh, coming up. Denver and Boulder, um, Friday, uh, July 17th. I'm going to be um, at the Caritas Spiritus Center in Boulder, Colorado, and then the following night I'm going to be um, speaking and conducting gallery readings for audience members at the Ramada Plaza Convention or Conference Center in Denver. And if anybody wants to find out about that, please go to my website, evidenceofeternity.com. Go to my calendar of events, and uh, you click on that. It'll give you the who, what, when, where, how, and why. And um, I will be, like I said, I'll be speaking and then doing readings for audience members. I'll be signing copies of Evidence of Eternity and, and Never Letting Go. Um, I'm real excited to, to return to Denver. Uh, I've been there a number of times, and uh, I can't say enough good things about the the people of Colorado. It's a very spiritual and and very very beautiful beautiful state. It it is. You know, a, another president that I'm wondering um, because you've spoken at the Edgar Casey Foundation. I've been there too, talking about Edgar Casey. But the fascinating thing is that Edgar Casey was also. Um, a part of the United States presidency because Woodrow Wilson, after he had a stroke, he yes. could not communicate. And Woodrow and Mrs. Wilson was getting Edgar Casey into the White House, slipping him past the public, so to speak, because he was the only person who could communicate with Wilson when he was incommunicado because of a stroke. Yes, I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. Um, so... Well, very cool. Um, We've had a lot of presidents. In fact, our whole presidency is very, very spiritual when you you come down to it. I mean, all the way from George Washington. Look at the communications between Thomas Jefferson and John Adams about the afterlife and spirits. Ben Franklin and George Washington believed in, in, in the plurality of worlds and life on other worlds. Thomas Jefferson gave the first gave the first presentation of a UFO to the American to the American Philosophical Society in 1801 was a very very you know when you think about it that's that's good all right so you need to do a whole um, a whole episode on your on your book let's go back to me now (laughs) okay let's go back this is about Um, you so so I I will be on the um, evidence of eternity book tour in Colorado the week of of uh, July 15th through through the 19th, and then in New, um, in August I will be in New York. In September I will be in Arizona, and in October it looks like I will be in Seattle. And all of these things um, are posted on my calendar of events 
on my uh, website at evidenceofeternity.com. And also, if you go to the homepage on evidenceofeternity.com, uh, you can click on the link to, to like my um, Facebook page, and you will see the posts of what's going on with me and where I'm going and uh, both my personal appearances and my media appearances. Well, do people have to um, do they, people have to sign up early if they want a reading? If well, if they want to have a a telephone reading, it explains under the page book a reading uh, what to do. Please read the entire page because mm-hmm. it should answer most questions. Uh, there's about a anywhere from a two to three month wait for that. Wow. Now with in person readings, I don't often get the opportunity to do them one on one when I'm on tour, simply because of the hectic nature of my schedule. Although we do try to set those up uh, periodically, uh, when I do in person readings on uh, the Booker reading page on EvidenceOfAttorney.com, it does explain uh, how to go about doing that. Okay, well, how do, you, how do you do readings when you are in public forums? How does that work? Well, I get drawn to certain people or certain areas of the crowd, or a particular spirit will come to me, and I'll start describing what he or she looks like. I'll see things, hear things, feel things. I will usually feel how the person died. Um, I may get uh, their name. I may get uh, their personality profile. And um, and then uh, people start saying, well, it could be, you know, I may get three or four hands, and then I'll continue to get evidence until we narrow it down to the right person. And then once I establish a link with the Spirit, they're, they're going to continue giving me messages and information. And all kinds of things come through. Sometimes it's it's very poignant and, and very healing and extremely um, emotional, and other times spirits are hysterically funny. In fact, if people want to see uh, what I do, in, in readings, um, once again on my website, evidenceofeternity.com, if you go to the media room, there's a tab that says media room, it mm-hmm. has all of my videos of my TV appearances and several public appearances where I'm doing readings for people. Um, I've been interviewed on uh, TV shows nationwide, most recently on MSNBC, um, Great Day Houston, uh, shows in Boston, Denver, St. Louis, Los Angeles, um, gosh, um, Hartford, Connecticut. What and I know, I'm missing. You know, uh, what show? You, no, what show we want on MSNBC? I mean, which one? Who is the uh, host? The docket. The docket was Seema Eiler. And, oh yeah. Uh, the legal show, which was really, really a lot of uh, really cool. In fact, they have invited me to New York in August to um, to go ahead and uh, do my bit in front of uh, front of a live audience. Wow. So we're in discussions with them about that. And I always like going to New York City. I mean, New York is just... I, I like what John Lennon said about New York City. He said, 2,000 years ago, everybody would want to live in Rome. This is Rome. I think that was a cool hmm. thing for him yeah. to say. When you are in a public forum, do you... Are, are are there spirits who will direct you to certain individuals in the audience, or, I mean, can you sure. sense that? Yeah, sure. Um, every reading's different. Every every uh, public forum's different. Every individual reading's different because uh, every human being and every spirit is an individual, and they tend to communicate from the other side like they did when they were here. If they were real, like talkative and and outgoing, I call those the New York spirits because they're in your face. I want to tell you everything. <laughs> 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 they're they're easy to communicate. Then you get the Midwestern spirits, which are like, hi, 
So the personality endures, basically, right? Yes, the personality kind of, yeah. endures. It's just that they're free of all the agony, pain, and upset. And um, I've even communicated uh, um, with killers who, on the other side, oh, they're, they're not evil, but they certainly are aware of what they've done, and they're very usually apologetic for it. And in, in Never Letting Go, in my first book, I did a reading for a woman whose 11-year-old boy was kidnapped, raped, and murdered by by the lowest form of life on, on this planet. And uh, during the reading, I didn't realize that the killer had been put to death. Even though it was in, he was in Florida, I was actually out of Florida um, for like two months, and uh, he had been executed, so I, I, you know, I didn't know. And uh, during the reading, he came through, and he said something, I'm sorry for what I've done to your son. And then I heard three other boys. So after the reading, the uh, the client, she said, you said something about three other boys. And, and then she told me this was not common knowledge. This had not been released in the media. But at her son, the scene of her son's death, there were hair and tissue samples, which did not match either her son or the killer. And wow. the police believed that he was implicated in the abductions and, and murders of, of other little boys. Wow. And so when you get a chilling chilling piece of evidence like that um it it indicates mm-hmm. you know it indicates that that uh, uh you know this this was him and that uh there was a lot more going going on yeah wow uh, with that case and the fascinating thing in that connection was that her son said he isn't evil here but they were definitely on two completely different frequencies well what year was this what year was this when I did the reading, yeah. um, uh, let me see, that had to have been, let me see, Never Letting Go came out in 2011. This must have been, I did the reading either in 2008 or 2009. And when, um, did, the, and when did the crime take place? The crime took place something like 17 years earlier. It was, so, it was in the early 90s. So would the killer have been Otis Toole? I'm sorry? Would the killer have been Otis Toole? Because Otis Toole was abducting and killing children. He killed Adam Walsh. No, no, I, I know, yes, um, I know about the Adam Walsh case. No, this was Mark Dean Schwab. And okay. he kidnapped and murdered Junie Rios Martinez. And I conducted a reading for his woman, uh, the, 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 his, his amazing mother, uh, Vicky Rios Martinez, one of the most incredible people I have ever met in my life. Uh, this woman, the, the, the goodness... And, and the purity of this woman's spirit um, is just amazing, just amazing mm-hmm. and for what she'd been through. And, you know, I'm glad that you, you brought that up because you, you have to be very careful what you say to somebody who has lost a loved one, particularly when it's a child. People, Somebody said to Vicki once, well, it's been a year. Aren't you over it yet? <laughs> wow. wow. You ser- Wow. Yeah. You never get um, over that. No, you never get over that. How do wow. how can you get over your your child being murdered and raped yeah. and dumped in a swamp? I mean, and 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 you know, people. Uh, one time, I I was in court, and this judge is really short and nasty with everybody. His mother had died two weeks before, mm-hmm. and this attorney said, "God, it's been two weeks. He ought to have a handle on it by now." And I said, "Oh, Are you boy, really? uh, <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Two weeks is oh, nothing." Man. 
and and yeah. uh, so people get get very very uh, callous, and and yeah. then there's other people who say, oh, well, my anger or my irrational behavior have nothing to do with the fact that my father died three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it kind of does. Kind of mm-hmm. does, yeah. Mark, a question: um, Have you ever had a spirit approach you uh, out of nowhere uh, with information about their own death, and maybe they were murdered, and they were trying to solve their own death from the other side? Um, I've been consulted in many murder cases, and here's uh-huh. the really strange thing about this. For the most part, spirits, and, and a lot of people find this hard to believe, and, and they are not so concerned with the fact that they died or um, getting the person who did it. And I know a lot of people say, oh, well, that proves you're a fake and all that. And it's like, yeah, but we also have to realize that they look at death a lot differently than we do. They, they view it as a doorway, a portal to go from this side of existence to an elevated level of consciousness. So they, you know, we, we only see not, we don't even see the tip of the iceberg. We see like a few grains of ice and they're seeing this infinite thing. And so they realize that their death was all part of their existence here. In fact, most if not all the spirits I've, I've communicated with, are extremely happy on the other side. Yeah, and that's the other thing I wanted to ask. What happens when a victim meets his killer on the other side? You know, like we were talking about earlier, that we're all um, playing different parts in a series of plays, and it's very hard for us to understand that maybe these monsters that come in and kill people, these sociopaths and psychopaths, are supposed to be here and to inflict these things because it may be how we react to to those deaths. I mean, when you look at the death of a baby, it's hard to make sense out of that, but apparently how we react to it and, and the concentric circles, in other words, it's like proverbial pond dro- you know, pebble dropping into a pond with the concentric circles that touch so many different people, um, a baby's death can significantly alter the lives of many, many people. Um, for good or for ill, and it's how we we react to that. So it appears to be be tied into that because you know, being a, a lawyer and especially being a, a former prosecutor, it's like you know, I I, I want to get these people, you know, but but a spirit is like, hey, don't worry about it, don't worry mm-hmm. about it, because they're going to get theirs, whether yeah. your system of justice is capable of doing it or not. Well, we are completely out of time, I'm sorry to say, but before we go, I want to make sure that I let you know, Mark, that uh, your page, permanent page on Future Theater is not ready yet, and it will be in another couple of hours. And I'll have all those links up. Every link that we talked about will be up there so folks can find, uh, if they've found you through our show, they can find you through uh, your own website, And give your your website address one more time, uh, Mark. Uh, same as my new book, evidenceofeternity.com, and you go there. Also with evidenceofeternity.com, there's a grief management page, which is a, a resource for people nice. who have lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Cool. People found a lot of comfort there. Yeah, and thank folks, you. Brent, and take folks, us out, Bill. And folks can find your books on Amazon, correct? Um, Amazon, all bookstores worldwide, uh, Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, Walmart.com. Um, they're they're everywhere. Yes. Okay. And good. So website as well. Okay. So thank you, Mark Anthony, for joining us. Visit Mark's website. Take a look at Mark's books. Um, go to one of his readings. This is wonderful. We are your Gotta co-hosts, go. Bill and Nancy Burns, on Future Theater Live on the Dark Matter Digital Network, and we will see everybody on PSN Radio, and we will see you all next week on Future Theater.